This is Berkeley Voices. I'm Anne Bryce. In this episode, we hear from Britt H. Young. She is a PhD candidate graduating from UC Berkeley's Department of Geography on May 15th. Britt's research focuses on the tech startup sector of Ethiopia. She looks at how development agencies are investing in tech startups in the hope that they'll develop phone apps and other systems that'll create more jobs. What she found, though, was that these apps and startups actually reproduce and exacerbate class lines and allow a subset of perhaps the most indigent of the population to be more exploitable. In 2020, when the pandemic hit, fieldwork in Ethiopia got a lot harder. So a space opened up for Brit to write about another way that our lives are influenced and impacted by technology. In particular, she started to write about the human body and prosthetics, stuff that she'd been meaning to write for years, but never had the time. In this episode, Britt shares in her own words the experience of wearing prosthetic arms her whole life, her decision to stop wearing one during graduate school, and how our built environment is often inaccessible. So I, I grew up in South Florida, and uh, South Florida is, um, or at least, you know, my South Florida. There, there are infinitely many South Floridas. But my South Florida was a very normative space that was uh, very difficult to be not able-bodied. As an infant, I was wearing a prosthesis as soon as possible. I'm not sure quite what the... Um, the set of theories behind this is, but the idea that like you are missing a limb is a little bit like believing in the kinds of structures that should be put in place for a child to learn a second language, start them as young as possible, it will make the brain more flexible, something like that. But the belief is that you could get, you would get started on using an adaptive device right away and that would be the easiest for you rather than learning how to adapt to your body the way that it is, rather than learning about how to navigate the world with the body that you have. I was amongst the youngest cohort to be fitted with a myoelectric prosthesis. So a myoelectric arm is a battery-powered prosthetic that uses sensors inside of the socket to receive signals to open and close. Um, so I was fitted for this, I, I believe, at six months. <laughs> I wore a myoelectric most of the time until high school. And it was in high school when I realized, like, actually, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. This thing is heavy. It takes a really long time to charge. When was the last time it actually helped me do anything? Never. Um, it mostly, like, makes clicking weird noises, which actually brings me more attention than less attention. Um and I mostly don't use it for things, so I'm just going to switch to using a passive. It has always been encumbering. And yet, it's, like I said, it's like a pair of shoes where you're like, well, for a brief moment, like, if I'm, like, gonna go take out the trash, like, I don't know, maybe I'll just, like, run out really quick and run back um, and hope I don't step on a nail. 
But like, if you're going out, like you're putting on all your clothes and you're putting on makeup and you're really getting ready, like you're definitely going to get your arm on. I had a style of, of prosthetic arm where putting it on was never the same way twice. There's a silicone lining. They call it a liner. And you roll that over your stump. Uh, and it has like a little pin screw at the end. And then that pin clicks inside of the socket. So it holds you in. And every single time you put it on, it's not exactly the same. Like maybe the pin is a little bit more to the right or a little bit more to the left. And there's some days where you just like cannot get it on right. I would never, ever go to school, elementary, middle, high, without wearing an arm. And yet, I went to small enough schools where everybody knew that I was born missing my left arm. Everybody knew this. And many of them had seen me at home without it. And yet, to the general school population... They had not, and it was still, like, conceived of or talked about to me as a major distraction or a potential to bring a lot of unwanted attention to me. As soon as I would come home, I would take it off immediately, and in that way, I was spending countless hours practicing being in my body and learning how to do things my own way. Like, I got a soda bottle. How am I going to open it? Figuring out how to sort of brace it against myself and twist it with my right hand. Um, Or hold it between my thighs and things like that. There's just a lot of time spent practicing doing things with the prosthesis, which was always conceived of as imitating two-handed people. And yet it was never quite that anyway. It was always some sort of awkward compromise. And it was, I think, in that time where I was actually practicing using my body that I learned I didn't need the prosthesis or that the prosthesis was like extra encumbering. Um, 10 years ago now and before I even started grad school and I remember just going for a walk in the neighborhood and I saw a runner who was missing their arm a lot like me they're just going for a run and I actually used to run track in high school and I would still like think oh god I have to wear my prosthesis even though it was just like huge distraction you're super sweaty in South Florida um, and it's gonna fall off and so I, I wouldn't run with it and yet people were like people were pretty weird about it (laughs) um and you know you didn't want to be i didn't want to be the uh the inspiring disabled person at the track and people are going to root for me um because they saw that i was missing a limb and so it was really it was really powerful to see this person who's going for a run in berkeley without their arm the geography department I mean, it's, it sounds cliche to say it's a safe space, but it really felt like a welcoming space and it really felt like a good space to be myself. It's an accessible space. It's a queer spo- positive space. And I started to like 
when I was in the office, just take off the prosthesis and then like sort of go for a walk in the department um, and not wear it. And I noticed that when I did that, like nobody would stare at me. It's a, it's a really fantastic place. Like I years ago um, got the support of someone in the department who was the building manager to change the water fountains to be the automatic um, bottle, bottle refill type. And, um, I, you know, I, t- I told the guy, Dan, at the time, like, this would be really helpful for me. I feel like I'm sort of, like, maneuvering my hips in a cer- certain way to touch the button and then refill at the same time. And he's like, we're going to change all of these. So I think the, build- the whole building has, like, the bottle refill <laughs> water things now. It's been really interesting now going without a prosthesis and um, experiencing the world in a totally different way and seeing the sort of things that, like, are frustrating designs, but not just frustrating designs and inaccessible designs and hostile designs um, in the world, like just for disabled people or just for people with my body geometry, but for anybody. I am a lot more in tune to bathrooms and how so many bathrooms have these sinks where you have to push the button to get the water to come out. And then you have to um, rush to get your hands underneath the water as it comes out before like the timer stops Um, and nobody likes those things. And those things are especially inaccessible, um, to somebody like me. And then even more inaccessible if you're possibly someone who's using a wheelchair, um, you're much lower and you kind of have to prop yourself up and press that button and then try to wash your hands as quickly as possible. Like, why do we have these things? Another thing that I notice is that there are these types of hand dryers that will only activate when you put both hands underneath it. I'm always just like, putting putting my hand there and it's like nope 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 and then I like put like lift up my leg and and then it will work I'm writing a book on technology and the body as it uh relates to disability and prosthetics but it's a it's a really wide-ranging book that explores a lot of these themes for for anybody what so much of this book is going to be about is the way that a lot of body technologies like wearables are presented as forms of life enhancement that will make life easier and more accessible when in fact the history of disability devices accessibility devices and prosthetics tells us that in fact this isn't um this is something we should be quite wary of that these are new forms of um policing and exclusion, um, especially if they become de facto requirements, in the same way that cell phones are now seemingly a requirement for your citizenship. Um, you cannot participate in this world uh, without a smartphone. There's like, I used a U-Haul to move recently, and I had to return it after hours, and I had to log in on my phone and like answer a bunch of questions and submit photos. It's like, what if I didn't have a smartphone? I'm especially in tune now to the ways that the built environment makes it impossible to participate in society for a lot of people. I'm really approaching the world in a lot more theoretical and thoughtful way. And I think that is making me um, a lot more thoughtful critic of design. I always have to say that I'm not a like anti-prosthesis purist or something like that. I think that the fundamental design of prostheses assumes the need 
for you to appear like an able-bodied person, and that severely hinders the potential of the design. And if you were more interested as a designer of prosthetics, um, that like actually allowing disabled people to achieve the very specific tasks that they want to achieve, then the design of that thing would be quite unique. And it might not look like a human hand at all. Uh, I think that the vast majority of prosthetics are far less useful and helpful than they really could be. I think that they're far more um, interested in reproducing the human body and also being an extremely expensive, inaccessible, non-repairable device. I think a really good model is already out there. So there's several different upper body prosthetic devices, and one of them is called an activity device or an activity prosthesis. And an activity prosthesis is a like a, a forearm or uh, I, I call this part of the arm like the length. So it it it, it depends on where you have like where you where your limb stops. You need to have length to get out to the, f- the full length where it would be comfortable for you to like do a push up with your other hand um, or hold open a door. Like you need that length. So um, first there's like the totally custom, uh, the s- custom socket and like the forearm or the upper arm length portion. Uh, and then at the end, there's a, there's a device that's swappable. And that device is completely specific to the activity that you want to do. There's kind of one company that sells these devices. It's sort of a shame there should be a little bit more competition here, especially with like how cheap it's become to 3D print things. But there's this one company that makes the vast majority of these and they, they focus on leisure, um, sports, hobbies. You can have an attachment for yoga. Um, rock climbing, um, fishing, uh, volleyball, etc. Things like that. As a result, the designs of these things are extremely specific to the activity, and they don't look like human hands. They they look like a lot of them look like Lego hands, like Lego person hands, little clamps. But I mean, the yoga one looks like a mushroom cap. It's squishy. It's um, curved, and you can put your body weight on it. It's um, it's a, it's a good, it's, I think they call it the tumbler. It's a, it's a great shape. But there's also a prosthetics firm in the UK that makes like a soft prosthesis, which I find so genius. And there needs to be so much more of this. And it is a like Velcro wrapping fabric prosthesis with a magnetic end that allows you to swap attachments. And in this way, it's a lot more like a shoe. We're like, why would a socket be rigid? We have squishy bodies. We put our feet into a squishy object and then we tie it tight. So this is like a wrap and you wrap it around. It's especially for children because it's like a lot more comfortable to crawl around in and play with. And I, I find this genius. Like I think, you know, it, it doesn't look like a traditional prosthesis at all. And they're totally like uninterested in perpetuating the trend to just like reproduce the human hand. It has required me to spend a lot of time writing to realize that so much of my work is around really material experience. Like 
really focusing on being in your body the way that it is and interacting with the world the way that it is, the way that you come to meet it. I didn't used to talk like this until I did a lot of the writing about what is it that makes these sorts of technologies really limiting. And I had to like sit and think and write to get to this point of thinking in a very concrete and material way. Britt is graduating on May 15th with a PhD from the Department of Geography. You can read Britt's writing, listen to other interviews with her, and read reviews of her work on her website at brithyoung.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-H-Y-O-U-N-G.com. I'm Anne Bryce, and this is Berkeley Voices, a Berkeley News podcast from the Office of Communications and Public Affairs at UC Berkeley. If you enjoy Berkeley Voices, tell a friend about us and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We also have another show, Berkeley Talks, which features lectures and conversations at Berkeley. You can find all of our podcast episodes with transcripts and photos on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts.